Well, thanks again, ladies, for um, joining me tonight. And I wanted to have us just um, talk in summary and conclusion for this past summer when we had um, studied the Book of Ruth together um, in our Bible study. And um, let's see, I think we'll just start off and just break the ice because I feel kind of nervous. <laughs> so um, let's just share uh, what we were known for when we were younger. So it could maybe be like a reputation that you had or maybe the way you think people perceived you. Something good, not bad. Something good. Um, I never finished my food. And it would take a really long time to finish my meals. It's not necessarily a positive thing, but <laughs> I remember uh, growing up, all three of my sis sisters would finish eating their dinners and showering and they'd come back and I'd still be in the kitchen. <laughs> that's um, mine. That's a good one. But were you enjoying your food? Or? <laughs> I think I was like hanging off my chair, falling asleep, oh, just like not not really enjoying the food. Interesting. <laughs> I think mine was a uh, thing I thought of was I think for a while when I was in I think high school I was known for being really gullible oh. and I was just I think I, I just believed every, that everything everyone was telling <laughs> me was the truth I was just very I guess innocent in a sense um and I remember one time <laughs> Well, I don't remember who said it, but someone was like, Florence, did you know that the word gullible is not in the dictionary? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so because, you know, I just like didn't think someone would want to lie to me. So, Aww. I mean, you know, again, that means you saw the best thing people. This clear? I, is it or is it not in the dictionary? No, it is. <laughs> it, okay. <laughs> Okay, maybe Leslie would be that too. Okay, no, I was that person. I never looked, so I never had my answer. <laughs> so well, you've heard funny. that too, right? You've yeah, of that? course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. Man. That, that's great, Flo. That's a great quality. You give people the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Meryl? I can't think of anything good. <laughs> oh come on so like yeah I feel like they're all negative but like I had the reputation of being sassy what? having attitude <laughs> not not being emotionally expressive <laughs> I don't know sorry opposite of gullible very cynical <laughs> oh okay um it's not so much like a reputation, but it was something that people made comments a lot about when I was in school. So I wasn't known as like being popular or smart or anything like that. But people gave me a lot of credit for my penmanship. Oh, you do yeah. have nice penmanship. Well, I mean, it's I, I do a lot of cursive now because I'm in a rush, but I used to take my time writing my letters when they weren't connected. And I would just spend a lot of time um, making pretty notes, but that doesn't matter anymore. Like nobody cares for penmanship anymore. What? Why? Everyone cares. Because, they make no, these no, no, pretty no. things. No, because we use technology to replace our writing. So it doesn't really count anymore. Unless like we're making- counts. If we're making something. 
Okay, so anyways, um, I thought of that question because um, the book of Ruth is really about Ruth's life. And what's really amazing to me is that um, she was just an ordinary woman. But if anything, uh, someone very unlikely to be noticed and um, welcomed, but in the end, she has such a story of faith that God decided to put her life story as part of um, his story of redemption. And so um, there's a lot of details um, of her faith, but I guess the, let's first talk about um, the, the time, the setting in which Ruth starts. And I'll, I'll ask Meryl this because you taught that chapter. <laughs> so um, Judges chapter 21, 25 says that in those days, there was no king in Israel and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And that was like the bleak picture, the setting of the culture of the people. And we can definitely understand and connect to that now with the culture that we're living in. Um, it's just a very self-seeking, everyone does what's right in their own eyes. So Meryl, can you um, kind of explain uh, the context and how, how did Ruth's name or Ruth's life suddenly appear? Mm, okay, so it's the time of the judges. <laughs> There's a famine. And so Naomi and her family, they moved from Bethlehem. Yes. 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 Okay. To Moab. And Moab is like a, a place where um, the, the Jewish people were not supposed to intermingle with because they worship mm -hmm. false gods and they were born out of this incestuous relationship. So God commanded his people not to um, hang out with them basically. But then Naomi and her husband, they still went there with their two sons. And then they ended up staying there. And then they, her two sons got married. And one of them got married to this Moabite woman named Ruth. And mm -hmm. over time, um, Naomi's husband dies. And so do the two sons. Mm -hmm. So there's now three widows. And so um, Naomi tells her daughters-in-law, which are Ruth and Orpah, to, like, to go and find new husbands. Because as widows, you're like really helpless in the society back then because you're unable to provide yourself and mm -hmm. so Orpa goes and she's sad about it it's not like she she went happily but um Ruth tells Naomi like no like wherever you will go I will go your people are my people and your god is my god which is a really big thing back then because for a Moabite person to proclaim faith in the Jewish god um it's probably very rare you know mm -hmm. because they mm -hmm. weren't supposed to be together and the fact that Ruth would proclaim God like Yahweh as her God um it's just sort of miraculous that she would do that and that she would give up her life to to be with Naomi now yeah thanks for sharing all that summary um I think that when um Ruth had made that statement that she would uh not only leave behind her homeland and go with Naomi and showing that covenantal love to her mother-in-law. But she also had counted the cost of um, following the God that Naomi had believed in. 
um, the God of Jacob, the God of Abraham. And I think that was like a turning point for her and that changed the course in the direction of her life. Um, so one of the big themes of, of this, this book is um, Ruth's faith in the God that Naomi um, had believed in. And so um, what are some of the ways that Ruth displayed like a, a deep faith enough that she was willing to leave behind what was familiar and leave behind everything that she knew in order to start a new life with Naomi moving forward, moving back to Bethlehem? I mean, there had to be this faith that somehow like God would provide for them as widows because there, there's no one to like earn a living for them anymore or even to get food. And I think there's also this faith of like, you're a foreigner and you're supposed to be like um, outcasted from these people. These people were told not to intermingle with your types of people, but you're gonna, you're gonna go on a faith that like, that God will provide for you, even though, um, you could potentially be like judged and shunned in this new mm -hmm. land that you're gonna go back to. Yeah, yeah. Anybody else on this? Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, uh, many times in, in the book of Ruth, you refer to Ruth as the Moabite, the Moabite. You know, it's like <laughs> the very the, um, identifying quality that mm. the, the writer wanted to highlight and I think mm -hmm. I'm assuming I mean I don't know right I don't know what Moabites were taught growing up but I'm assuming it wasn't positive towards the Israelites because they're kind mm -hmm. of like enemies I guess mm -hmm. so yeah to, to to go into this foreign land to follow um knowing going into back to Bethlehem knowing that she is a foreigner and people would know that about her it's, it's like it takes a lot of faith in order mm -hmm. to do that mm-hmm yeah. I find it revealing in um, Ruth chapter 2, verse 12, Boaz says that Ruth has come to take refuge under God's wings. Well, and so even though like Ruth never explicitly says that she's doing that, I think just yeah. Boaz's um, observation of her when he's praying for her is an example of how she was committed to God and she was also dependent on him. Um, that she was looking to him for her refuge, uh, which took, I think, a lot of faith, as you guys were saying, um, going to a foreign land where she was definitely vulnerable as a foreigner, a Moabite, and a widow. Yeah, those are all um, great thoughts. And uh, to continue the conversation, are there any other things that Ruth had showed or displayed um, throughout this book that showed, that made her a worthy woman or a godly woman, or maybe characteristics that are um, described in Proverbs 31. Anything else? Yeah, there's a lot. Like Proverbs 31 talks about how like a godly woman, um, like works really hard and is industrious and cares for her household. And um, in Ruth, it talked about how like Ruth would spend all day gleaning in the fields and working really hard and um, even like staying until the very, very end, you know, and bringing home like food for 
for her mother-in-law, Naomi. And I think in Proverbs 31, it, mm-hmm. it talks about how like a, a godly woman like laughs at the time to come because she has no fear of anything except for God. And I, I feel like Ruth has that where she doesn't, through her actions, she doesn't fear like people mm-hmm. and she doesn't fear like the men who could have taken advantage of her while she was gleaning in the fields. Like she still goes. She doesn't let that that potential harm um hinder her from doing what she feels like is right which is like serving her mother-in-law and I think I think as women like that's something that that's hard because we like to like think of all the potential scenarios and I don't know like for me sometimes that stops me from acting because I'm thinking like okay it's just not worth it it's not Mm -hmm. you know but then that never stops Ruth from doing like the thing like to count Naomi as more than herself, you know, like mm-hmm. she chooses to serve her mother-in-law in that way at, um, with that covenantal love, like sacrificing herself yeah. for the sake of her mother-in-law. Yeah. And, and I think, yeah, that takes a certain trust that God will provide and protect and um, take care of them. You know, it's pretty yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing those. Anybody else? Agreed. Um, I thought of the the part where Ruth, you know, listens to Naomi about going to the, you know, going to him at night and, you know, and threshing floor. I mean, that, that whole scenario was just like, what is happening? Like, <laughs> this could be interpreted in so many um, negative ways. And uh, she just did it. She just, she like did what Naomi said and mm-hmm. went to his, uh, him to him at the end of the night when he was full and satisfied and just laid at his feet. You know, it's just, um, again, you know, different times, but I, I still think similar to what, um, Meryl, you're saying, like, I think, well, but what if this, but what if mm-hmm. that, I would have thought of, and I would have like, no, maybe that's not the best way. So <laughs> I think she just, like, she's not idle. She just gets what she feels like needs to get done and trust God. And, um, and you know that her, her heart is earnest, you know, like, I mean, I'm thinking about like, you know, if she's taking things into her own hands what would she have resorted to what would she have done in order to you know uh supply food supply money for her and Naomi I mean it could have been so many things that were sinful in God's Mm -hmm. eyes but she didn't resort to that Mm -hmm. um so I think that's yeah so that whole like really interesting scenario are you talking about the proposal part how she basically that was the part you you taught right yeah (laughs) I think also um the example of how she is imperfect and she's a foreigner she's a Moabite um considered like an enemy of the Israelites I think the fact that she was willing to be used by God to accomplish his purposes and she didn't know what his purposes were but um she trusted in his plan for her um, as she looked to him for refuge. And so I think just um, the sacrifice she made, I keep thinking back to, you know, she could have stayed in Moabite and remarried. Uh, She could have stayed in Moab and remarried, but instead she came with her widowed mother-in-law to Bethlehem. Um, And then she could have gone about, you know, finding food or remarrying her own way, but she chooses to re- she chooses to remarry someone that's uh, within the family line of Elimelech, Naomi's late husband, in order to perpetuate his name. Um, 
which is, was a really big deal back then too. And so she just made a lot of personal sacrifice and um, she was willing to do that, not out of her own interests, but um, you know, to, to provide for her family. Um, and it's really remarkable how she wasn't able to see this at the time, but we can see how through that act of faith, um, she and Boaz had Obed, their son, who then many generations later, that led to David, King David, and many generations later, that led to Jesus Christ also. And he is our Messiah. So um, to see kind of like how you open this up, someone who seems like ordinary and outsider, you wouldn't expect them to play a key role in um, the messianic line. Um, she did just that, just by, you know, being a, a woman of faith. Yeah, no, it, it is such a beautiful picture of how God orchestrated all this, all these details that we can see now in our history. And um, yeah, I do want to talk about that in um, Matthew chapter one. She, her name is listed again with the, the attachment, the Moabite, right? In the genealogy. <laughs> and what we had, um, we, I think what we talked about in class were uh, the five women whose names were part of that genealogy and why God intended for them to be listed there um, to show the bigger picture of his plan of salvation and the type of people that he chooses to work his purposes out through. So um, I guess uh, with the bigger picture here and just seeing um, God's faithfulness at work, um, seeing him tell his story through the lives of ordinary people, ordinary women like Ruth, how would you guys um, take this as like a personal application? I mean, we're, we're ordinary people. And I, I guess um, just putting it in terms of our, our culture, I think um, being ordinary is not something people take a lot of pride in or, or just kind of like doing the everyday thing, being faithful in it. I mean, I think what we, what our culture really craves is a lot of attention and doing things that are like Instagram worthy or things that will catch a lot of followers to your name brand or whatever. So um, how, how do you think that her life and the story that God includes in his plan of salvation, how does that encourage us as women who are desiring to get God's attention by being faithful to him? Well, I don't know if this answers your question, but when you're saying that, like something that I think about is like in our culture, we tend to like, um, not we tend to, we're always aiming to like the comfortable, you know, like the secure, the comfortable, um, to like a point where like we don't have to worry about anything, where we're free, quote unquote free. Mm -hmm. And I think like when I think about Ruth, like she didn't yearn for that or that wasn't her goal, right? Yeah. Like she could have chased after that by just leaving Naomi and she did, she wasn't obligated to stay with Naomi, you know? Um, and she, she didn't let being uncomfortable deter her from, from loving God and loving others. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's something that's like really missing in, in our culture and our society. And even the way, like I raise my kids, like I think about that all the time, like how we like to like really like coddle our kids and protect them from 
this and that and telling them like, no, you're always a winner, but no, you're not always a winner. Like people lose, you know, or like there's disappointments in life and things don't always turn out, but that's part of life. And that doesn't make God any less precious or it doesn't make your journey any less worth it. Um, And I think Ruth is just like such a testament to that. Like she didn't run away from the trial or the hardships. She let the trial and the hardships turn like her sorrow into joy and 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 Jesus came from that you know mm-hmm. Jesus came from her trial and her hardships and her sorrow and her darkness and and I think that's amazing and I think sometimes when we're toiling every day for like the comfort and the you know we're like grumbling like and thinking about like oh, I don't like this hardship or I don't like this this difficulty that it has been placed before me. It's hard to remember that like, no, God has called us to these things for a sanctifying and greater purpose. Um, and at the end of the day, you don't know what, what kind of beautiful thing that God has in store for just like this small part of your life, you know? Yeah. Yeah, very true. I was thinking about how, um, you know, we, we live in times that are quite dark and people just do whatever is right in their own eyes and similar to that time. Mm-hmm. And um, in addition to Ruth, I, I mean, although I know the focus is Ruth, um, I also like look at Boaz and just have a lot of respect for him as well, because mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about like, you know, he, he just treated Ruth with so much respect and protected her her safety I think her purity you know Mm. and she was beautiful you know so I'm sure you know it was probably tempting you know um and in receiving and redeeming Ruth like he had to give up his the the line of his name right um Mm. I mean I know he's mentioned in the genealogy but it that that's something that he didn't know was going to happen so he would have to give that up whereas that other the closer relative, he wasn't willing to give that up. So, mm-hmm. I, what, what I what I see is like how in in times of darkness, like we see that there is there's still light. There's still people that are have faith that are following God that are um, obeying God's laws despite mm-hmm. the darkness. And I think that there's definitely that still today, even though sometimes mm-hmm. it seems kind of bleak, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think about kind of the world. Um, that we live in today is so different than the world we grew up in even right um mm-hmm. and how kind of like what um Hallie's been preaching about recently how they view christians and and things like that so to bring that back to like you know how that it just encourages me that um we don't have to um follow the trends you know we don't have to uh, chase the chase like the big things but just to remain faithful in our everyday lives um not knowing where what god will do i mean we're probably not going to be this obviously just uh, make history we're not going to be in a new bible you know but we're <laughs> but god can still use our lives for his glory and, and i'm sure he already has right for people we've um impacted we don't know like if someone that we're you know that we're um, ministering to, whether it's in children's ministry or in a young married group, like someone that we've been faithful um, to, you know, having a relationship with, that can lead to something else down the line, which yeah. 
um, I'm sure we'll reach others and we just don't know that our, our impact. But I think um, just remembering to be faithful and despite the, I guess the barriers that come in our way. Yeah, yeah. Mm. That's so good. Thanks for sharing. You wanna add anything, Eileen? Yeah, I think um, your initial question made me think about how it's very tempting to um, want to win the respect and recognition of the people around us. And um, for the four of us, I would say like, we probably don't want the respect of like the culture because um, the culture can be quite sinful, but it can even sneak in with, um, you know, getting the respect and the recognition from our peers, whether it's at work, in our neighborhood, our friends, mm -hmm. even people in the church too. And I think the underlying heart issue with that, because I struggle with it a lot, is um, fearing man more than I fear God, or like revering what man thinks more than what God thinks. Mm -hmm. And um, if you imagine yourself being pulled in all these directions to please different people so that they'll like you better, mm -hmm. um, it's a, like a very confusing time. And it's also very yeah. dark too, uh, because if, you know, the people in, in the time of the judge, you know, Judges 21 verse 25 is there was no king. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And so you can imagine people are very confused. They don't know what's the right thing to do. Yeah. And um, I really liked Boaz's example of actually knowing God's word and so that he could be discerning, like the example of him um, making sure that there was um, adequate, uh, that there was a, a process in place to allow for like foreigners and widows to pick up leftover barley in his field. Mm -hmm. He could have collected that and made more money for himself, but that was part of um, the law in Deuteronomy. I think someone's lesson went over that, like Deuteronomy 10 verses 17, 19. Um, there's a command to love sojourners, just as God loved, clothed, and fed the Israelites who were sojourners in Egypt. And he knew the word of God, and he chose to obey that, even though I bet his peers who own their own fields, could have just harvested everything for themselves too. And um, we don't own fields, you know, we're not leasing out our fields for people to, to harvest grain. But I think um, the application to us is that we would um, know God's word, we would hide it in our hearts, mm -hmm. that we would revere so, God so much that we would prioritize his word to give us direction rather than the culture around us. I think that's something that stuck out to me a lot. Um, like simply just knowing God's word, because it's a really confusing time to li live in. I guess any time is confusing when you're looking to the culture and you're looking to people around you for um, just direction. Um, God's, God's word is, is our instruction. Oh, wow. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. <laughs> uh, I just got caught up. I was like, oh, are you going to keep going? Oh, no. How is it? <laughs> um, okay. Um, that, that was amazing. So um, let's see. Um, is there anything else about from this chapter that you guys wanted to talk about or highlight or was really convicting for you? From this chapter or book? Oh, sorry, from this book. Hmm. I think like the okay. whole concept of like 
sorry were you gonna say something okay no okay that whole concept of like taking refuge in god i think that's something we're in this while we've been studying ruth that i've been really thinking about a lot because it's like i like to take refuge in other things like it's like oh i just want to like i had a hard day at work okay i just want to watch tv or i just want to veg out or i want to hang out with my friends or i want to go play pickleball or whatever whatever i want to de-stress you know according to god's or according to like the world's place, but like just this concept of really like taking refuge in God and like, like crying out to him before crying out to anything else. I think that's been convicting for me, you know, even, even when like my kids are like being bad and they're like really irritating me, like my initial reaction isn't to like take refuge in God, you know, it's like, I want to vent. I want to like tell Hamley. I want him to like fix them, you know, like, so, but I think um, God has really been challenging me to be like, well, like, take refuge in me, you know, like, like, talk to me, you know, yeah, find, yeah. find your comfort and your sanity in me first, you know, and um, trusting that God would provide, you know. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. We're, we're like, so distract, distracted with our options. Like, we have so much that, mm-hmm. like, that stuff has become so comfortable to turn to. Mm-hmm. versus like I think the like what the Puritans are practicing just like mm-hmm. the very presence of God mm-hmm. and enjoying him and yeah I think that's that's a very beautiful gift that he's given to us mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. did you want to say something Florence yeah I was just gonna say um as much as I thought it was a weird not a strange like oh um thing to take from the chapter the whole part about welcoming outsiders, I actually felt really convicted about that because mm-hmm. uh, just about how like Ruth being an outsider and a Moabite and how she was welcomed in to the community, um, it really made me reflect on my experiences being an outsider. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, most of us have been at our church for a good amount of time, right? And it's you're familiar you know everyone it's just routine you don't feel like the need you don't feel like an outsider um, but we forget what it feels like to be one and how kind of isolating and how you know it just you just feel um it just feels uncomfortable right and Mm -hmm. it just really reminds me to really welcome those who are new Mm -hmm. um it's kind of hard in the church our side sometimes because sometimes I'm like oh, they're new. And then I'm like introducing myself. I'm like, oh, we've been here for a year. It's like, whoops, you know, like, um, but that's where a, a smaller uh, group, like the Bible study or even the, you know, the women's community events, I think it's it's a good way to, to get to know and to welcome and to connect with others. And, you know, I think we all need that connection. We all need that fellowship community. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah especially among women. Mm-hmm. I just really resonate with uh, Boaz's example of knowing God's word. And I think that's a very specific way that we can cultivate godliness in our lives is to know God's word. Like it makes me think about um, Romans chapter 12 verses one to two, where we're urged to present our bodies as, you know, sacrifices to God, holy and pleasing. And we're also urged to not conform to the world, but to renew our minds. Um, and part of renewing our mind is going to God's word. And so personally, I also struggle. I think Meryl was sharing, it's easy to veg out. It's easy to do anything to distract ourselves when we're 
struggling with something or you're stressed or you're, you're overwhelmed. Um, and I'm, yeah, I'm guilty of that so much, so much. Um, but, uh, I think something that I have been practicing lately in the past few weeks is, um, turning to God's word and turning to prayer, um, actually stopping to write down like Bible verses and writing messages to myself through that. And I think that's been helpful to kind of take away things that are distracting me that don't turn my thoughts to God. Um, and so, yeah, I think that um, the example that Boaz had of knowing God's word so that he could live a life of faithfulness um, really resonates with me. And that was one of my takeaways. Yeah, and knowing God's word is what will carry the church in these dark times. Um, in Hanley's message, he just he he characterizes it as the, the post-Christian um, times. Wait, right? Post-Christian? Is that what it was? Post-Christian? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, so I think we'll just close here. Um, I think. I'll just summarize that the resolution that Naomi and Ruth had experienced um, through the hope that they had in God, through his provision for them, has been overcome with God's plan to usher in his son, Jesus Christ, who is the Redeemer, our Redeemer, and that has changed everything um, for those who put our faith in Jesus, it changes our status. Um, it brings us into access to have this intimate union with himself. Um, it gives us a glorious hope for our future. And um, I think the call to follow him it is costly, but it is worth it. And he's taking us all on our journeys um, so that we can live in the purposes of God's will for our lives. And he does really have a big picture. He's orchestrating all these details and all we have to do is be faithful and to follow him, follow Christ. So um, I think that's just um, such hope for us, uh, whether whatever circumstances that we're in, trials that we face, um, hardships that we experience. Um, we have this hope we, that God knows what he's doing and he is um, telling his story through our lives. And that's such a beautiful thing. So, all right. I think that will conclude our debrief um, for this book. And um, just a preview for this upcoming year, we're going to be doing a study of women of faith uh, from the New Testament. So um, this is also an invitation to anybody who doesn't know what happens in the Bible study. Just come check it out, even if you don't know anyone. And it's a great place to meet new, new women that you may not know and have fellowship with them. But most importantly, to be diving deep into God's word. And that's the foundation of our faith. So, all right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah.